Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? Podcast listeners, this is Macintosh and Mods. You haven't seen what? <laughs> this is a podcast where we're going to force the other one to watch a movie that they haven't seen that we think is ridiculous. Exactly. Um, we've been together for about 12 years, and over the course of the time, we've come across a few places where we just feel like, I cannot believe you've made it this far without seeing this movie. There are, there are significant gaps in my cultural knowledge. Yes, and then there's also there's gaps in mine too, uh, but it's we just like David's never seen Goonies. I've never seen Goonies. You've yeah. never seen Raising Arizona. I never seen Raising Arizona. Uh, I've never seen Goodfellas. Which is uh, that like, one's going on the list pretty dang soon because I cannot understand that yeah. at all. Yeah. So I I mean I just I didn't grow up with cable, so I didn't have access to these things. So yeah, I mean, you've also never seen Scream. No, I've never seen Scream. So I mean, well. I guess we can, do we want to talk about generally why we've got weird moments where we haven't seen certain things? Um, we can't. I can, I can start. Yours is simple enough. Mine's, mine's real simple. It's like, I, first of all, when I was younger, no rated R movies. Mm-hmm. And that was just a rule in my house. strict rule. And, and that's fine. I had no problem with that. What it really, what it really came down to, it wasn't that I didn't see rated R movies later on, mm-hmm. but what really happened was that, um... When I got to around high school, I had a, I had a teacher who did this um, movie after school thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like a movie club where we watched, he, he showed movies from like the Criterion Collection, which yeah. I don't think any of us had heard of before. Mm-hmm. And so I only got to go a couple of times because I was busy with theater, but I saw Salesman by the Maisley's Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Tokyo. This is a movie I don't know that is anywhere. I can't find it. But it's Tokyo Olympiad. It's the documentary of the 1964 Olympics. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful movie. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no words. You're just watching people run in slow motion. But the way that they filmed it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so it's movies like that that then spurred my interest. The summer I went before college, we got a Netflix account. And I just started watching tons and tons of foreign films. Yeah. So I started not watching any movies that anyone cared about you didn't backfill your i didn't i didn't go backfill anything that i had missed i started watching you know uh french new wave and classic silent movies from you know stuff and pretending it, to be cultured. italian stuff well pretending to be cultured i think partly but also partly legitimately some of those movies are some of the my favorite movies i've ever seen oh yeah I mean, like, The Bicycle Thief, I still believe, is one of the most incredible performances ever given on film. And it was done by mostly people who had never acted before in their lives. Yeah. So there's there's legitimate, you know, things that I saw that I was like, these are incredible mm-hmm. and treasures of cinema that, you know, up until a while ago, up until, you know, maybe mm-hmm. one or two decades ago, nobody really got to see. Unless you were lucky enough to be in, like, New York or yeah. Paris or someplace like that. And for me, uh, I started really getting into how movies were made when I was in junior high. And a lot of the movies I wanted to see were uh, R-rated movies. My parents weren't like a hard no, 
But it took some convincing, and after a certain point, they were just like, fine, you can rent whatever you want at Blockbusters. It just came out of my allowance. So I was the one who I would go grab, you know, three or four movies at Blockbusters and just watch them on a loop. Um, I got, re- yeah, I was really interested in how films were made, how films were written. Um, I, there was this one book that had like 15 movies in it and I was just consuming them. So I was watching Dead Poet Society, was watching Clerks, and then I deep dived into all the Kim, uh, Kevin Smith stuff for a while because he made a lot of poop and sex jokes and I, you know, I was the right age to think that was cool and interesting. <laughs> But he's also, I mean, he is in his own way a master class in how movies, how, how to make a movie quick and dirty and easy. Yeah, he just doesn't care about the studio. He's going to do what he wants to do. And that's fair. Totally fair. I haven't seen any of his recent films, but I was really obsessed with him for a while there in high school. I still think Chasing Amy is one of the most underrated films ever. It's brilliant. It's, I'll agree with it's amazing. I'll, I'll echo that. <laughs> um, yeah, and so then I, I mean, I, I, I loved going to the movies. I always have... We had a dollar theater that had 50 Cent Tuesday, so me and all my theater friends would cut school and drive over there, and we could, I mean, for 50 cents, we could all go see a movie. And they also didn't check ID there, so we could go see our movies. I think I saw American Pie there, like, four times. <laughs> I mean, come on. It didn't hurt that my favorite band made a cameo in there. Uh. <laughs> Blink-182. Uh, so that's just kind of how movies happen so in some ways like we just never backtracked that's kind of what happened here if if it wasn't already in the genre that we liked we we didn't do it and then also i was with black back when blockbuster was a thing i whenever they started retiring the the vhs i would buy them because they were like three dollars and i had an insane I mean, you remember my vhs collection i had a pretty extensive collection yeah and i had i had my own fair share of stuff yeah you had more dvds than i did at that point because i hadn't transferred over yet we started we started shifting over to dvds especially i think after um we moved to netflix yeah. Then that was when all the VHS started going away. Because I we used to have Raising Arizona on VHS. Yeah. That's the one I would always watch. And I think this is actually one of the first DVDs we got. Yeah, I remember my freshman year of college, like I had two full drawers of my dresser were just VHS. And my roommate was so happy because she was just like, wow. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I just watch movies. Instead of listening to music, I turn on movies. And we became fast friends in that <laughs> way. That worked out pretty good for a while. So... Let's talk about let's talk about genres real quick. Mm-hmm. Are there specific genres that you have just nothing on? I don't like a lot of horror films. I watched a lot. Um, I my best friend in elementary school was obsessed with horror films, so I ended up seeing a lot of them. So I've seen all the Freddy Kruegers. Never seen one. Oh, you, we need to fix that. Um, I've never seen it, which I'm very curious about watching the new one. The miniseries, like though, it... the the Tim Curry, because that's actually a television miniseries. Is it? Yeah. All right. Whatever. But I'm, I'm, there are some films, I just, I don't like horror films. I don't like torture porn. I, I, am I can be okay with suspense. And I'll say that we're probably, we're not going to watch anything like. You're going to watch Scream for damn sure. Well, I, I haven't seen anything like Human Centipede or. Yeah, I don't so, And we're. I, I, I remember once. This is the weirdest movie night. We, me and our friend Chris, we watched Hostel. Ugh. And then we watched, like, the movie with Judy Dench where she has the nudie show during World War II. Oh, God. I can't remember what it's called. But we watched that. <laughs> Those are the two movies we watched one night. That's weird. And we made brownies. 
<laughs> this is not a romantic evening at all. But, <laughs> but, but that's what we did. I don't, college is an interesting time. Um, but I mean, I don't, I haven't seen movies like that either, Hostel yeah. or anything like that. But the horror movies that I've generally enjoyed, I mean, I don't know, have you seen The Exorcist? Yes. Okay, because that's the kind of horror movie, it'll freak me I've the hell out. I've never seen Rosemary's Baby. That one probably needs to go on the list, though. I'm going to put it out there as, as a secret, and people can flame me on this for all they want. I don't like Rosemary's Baby. I think it's kind of boring. I hate Casablanca. I don't understand you in any form or fashion. Though I hate Gone with the Wind. That is fiery wrong. fiery passion of a thousand suns. Gone with the Wind is the best! And it's, she's such a horrible person. Let's be real. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she's the original Real Housewife. Come on. Um, and I don't think you've seen Citizen Kane, have you? No. Oh man, it's apparently a big deal. I don't care. Considering it's the number one movie of all time on most everyone's critics list, I'm gonna say everyone's wrong. <laughs> That's okay. I can't like everything. And, you know, I, I worked off of, you talked about working off lists. I worked off of those AFI lists. Mm -hmm. I devoured those shows when they were mm -hmm. on television. So I worked off of those lists. Sometimes the IMDb list. But the problem with the IMDb list, it's user rated. Like, yeah. I'll also make this blasphemy. People say Shawshank Redemption is the number one movie of all time. I, I think it's, you know, in the top 100 maybe. It's not that great. I wouldn't say it's top 10, but definitely, I mean, it's definitely up there. It's, I, it's it's beautiful. It's a great story. By the time and it's wonderful, it's, and my problem was by the time I got to that movie, it had been so overhyped, overhyped that I watched it and was like, "This is just a regular good movie. Why do people think this is the best thing in the universe?" You're still wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. It's a great movie. Um, it just is. So, I'm thinking about, and then the other genre I know for you that you don't have anything on is war movies. I don't like war movies. Why? Um, I mostly don't care. They're usually just—it's—it's it's usually just a lot of gore and a bunch of people saying, you know, prophetic things on a battlefield, and then everyone dies. See, I I'm think... also not a huge history buff, so and that's all a war movie is—a is bunch of history with death. So that's why I don't care. So I will say this. I think there's some more movies out there, especially older ones, because I, I know some of the movies I thought of on my list were like The Great Escape. Yeah. That is in no way prophetic talk. Okay. Like, that's a, that's a no, heist no. movie I get that. hidden I, as a war movie. I'm fine with films that take place during war. I love Inglorious Bastards. So you, you're talking about, you're thinking about the true, like, longest day, Torah, 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 like know. real, actual war chronicle. And not movies about war yeah. or movies set in war. Correct. Okay. Like, I know Saving Private Ryan is an amazing film. I don't need to see it. Yeah. I love Tom Hanks. I love Matt Damon. I don't care. And that's and that's why, you know... And the... also, I'll, okay, side note to that. That movie came out right as my brother was about to go into the military academy, which is right after 9-11. So it was a little... There's a legit reason for you not to have seen it at so, the time. So, like, in my house, that was not an acceptable movie to talk about or see because it made my mom cry. Well, I'll be... just for totally the, fair. Just for the sake of the timeline, I'll be fair. Saving Private Ryan came out in 1998. Okay. So it was before 9-11. I just want to put oh, that on Oh, that's right. There. You're right. You're right. Okay. 
My brother graduated in 99. Okay, yeah. But, but he already knew he was going. That, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just want to make sure we got that timeline right so you're people correct. don't... You're right. You're right. People aren't you're commenting right. all over the podcast. No, that's fair. Um, My brother's fine, by the way. Yeah, he's doing great. He's great. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's part of the damper on the war movie. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so that's one thing I know with, with the war movies I'm I'm interested mm-hmm. in showing you. But, they're they're much less about war mm-hmm. and much more about certain characters or certain aspects. Okay, we just saw um, Dunkirk, Dunkirk, and I I liked it. I I only I only had one real complaint about that movie, which is Harry Styles shouldn't have been cast. <laughs> Not he he did a fine job when we did what he did. The problem is you cast somebody who is specifically distracting for a role that meant nothing. For me, Dunkirk was at the time I was just incredibly enchanted by it. And the more and more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, there's not much going on in this movie. It's beautiful. It's, I love it's very how well it looks. Done. I love how it I love how it's seen. But then I think more and more about it, I was like, it doesn't have anything to say other than maybe war is good when you're on the good people's side. That's kind of it. <laughs> it's really one of those um, triumph of spirit type things. It's a, it's an experience more than it is a movie in some ways. Well, and okay. I think there's lots of things. That's a lot of what uh, Chris Nolan's movies are. They are. Your experiences. Inception was the same way for me. Shh, Inception's awesome. I'd, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's much less a, a story than it is an experience to go watch it. That's fair. Because my biggest complaint with that movie was the woodenness of the actors. And I, I believe that was a, a purposeful choice. choice, but it still threw me off. No. So. No, I also think you and I are both very even, even with foreign films. Yeah, we've just seen different kinds of foreign films. Yeah, because I like foreign films. I watched a lot of them in French class. And there'll be some that we I throw in there. Maybe. Hope, I, the the hope is. So the, there, there's a couple of ground rules. Number one, we all we have veto power over a bunch of stuff. If there's a movie, I, I you know, there's going to be movies that I might think, oh, I love this movie, and I'm like, but I'm not going to try to make her watch this. Like, yeah, I'm just going to say no to something. We're not going to watch Alejandro Jodorowsky because as much as I think his movies are incredible masterpieces, I also know that you're going to be sitting there like, what in the fuck am I watching right now? This is a bunch of weird hippie people. <laughs> yeah. So there's some things like that. The other one that I've put out there is that except un- unless we've got a compelling reason, we're going to try not to watch movies that are over three hours. I've got some that I do definitely want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like there's Space Odyssey. There's all- no Space Odyssey is really only two and a half hours. Okay. It it does feel long. Because I haven't seen that. Probably the number. Now. The num- and we're not watching the Apocalypse Now redo because it is good and it's got lots of good stuff, but four hours is just too much to try to to try to sit through on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one movie that I think is like three and a half hours that I definitely want to watch with you is the right stuff. Oh, okay. I've never seen. Yeah, that's fine. And it has an intermission. <laughs> Or, or Soda gun with the wind. The right stuff, actually, I think it doesn't really have an intermission, but it has it has a moment you can take a break from. That's good. Rest in peace, Sam Shepard, by the way. Aww. He's one of the... He's probably one of the best parts about that movie. I hate his plays. I know, that's a horrible thing for a theater no, person to say. I don't think I so. Shit. You also hate Arthur Miller, so... I do hate Arthur <laughs> Death of a Salesman is not that great a play, I'm sorry. But, you, you know, even if you don't like Sam... It, I can respect the work and not like it. Well, you can also respect him as an actor. Because he, he, he is an actor. actor. He's fantastic. He's a good actor. Um, 
tweet? I think I wrote after somebody after he died. I remember writing down. I was like, you know, I loved him in the right stuff. It was like he brought just the complete perfect down to earthiness of a dude who just so happened to spend his entire life trying to punch a hole in the sky, <laughs> and that's who Chuck Yeager was. I don't know. In any case, let's get into our first movie. Yeah. Okay, so. What did we watch watch this week? This week, we watched the Coen Brothers' seminal classic, Raising Arizona, from 1987. Yep. So, first of all, to talk just about the movie itself and some things that I saw, this is the Coen Brothers' second movie, second Uh big-budget movie. The first one was Blood Simple, which I still have never seen. And I've, I've, I haven't seen that either. I want to see that. Um, a lot of people say it's, it, a lot of people say it's one of their best movies, and it's very much a dark, gritty noir. Um, so it's a, it's a murder, essentially like a really dark version of Fargo. I think is what people say about it. Fargo's pretty dark. It, it is, but not, but without any, without the humor. Like it's a full-on murder mystery type thing. Think No Country, and I think that's where they kind of go with that movie. Okay. Which is funny, too, because I see parallels. I can talk about that later. But so with this movie, this is I'm pretty sure this is the first Coen Brothers movie I saw. That makes sense. And it's because my mom uh, said, you've got to watch this movie. (laughs) She she saw it and then I saw it and we both love it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really came out of that, you know, yes, this is set in Arizona and it's set with these these characters but it is small town southern southwestern even people in farm towns so people who don't know anything about this movie what is it about uh raising arizona i'll put it as a simple elevator pitch there's a couple who are kind of low-life bumpkins one's a one's a police officer and a corrections officer and one's a a criminal a, a criminal I'm trying to find the right words for it, but he's a uh, he's a convenience store robber. Mm-hmm. And so over time, they fall in love, and they want to have a family together, but they can't have a baby. Mm-hmm. And then one day, they find that a local businessman, Nathan Arizona, just had quintuplets. Mm-hmm. And they think they've got too much to handle, and they go and take one of the babies. Yep. And then craziness ensues. Yep. And that's the movie. Um. You know, anybody who's seen Coen Brothers movies, you know that it's going to have a very odd, weird mix of dark drama and ridiculousness. And then some humor. And then a lot of weird language. And this is, I think, the height of their scripted language works, which I think is also what intrigued me about this movie. No. Really? No. All right. So, Mm -hmm. in any case, this is by far one of my favorites is the first one I saw of theirs mm-hmm. and got me into all the other movies they've done. Uh-huh. So now the question is for you, mm-hmm. why haven't you seen this movie? Um, well, it's not a movie my family would have seen at all. That's fair. So it was definitely not in any rotation. We wouldn't have owned it. And if it, we didn't have cable TV, so it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have played on like, you know, the, the, yeah, I think bits and, bits and pieces of this I, I would catch on, like, Comedy Central and stuff like that. Yeah, we didn't have any of that. Yeah. So, like, if it wasn't the Saturday afternoon movie that they were going to play before they played the reruns of I Love Lucy or 
Andy Griffith, then I wasn't going to see it. Right. So that was growing up. Uh, I'm trying to think. And in terms of the Coen brothers themselves, I didn't, I didn't see anything of theirs until I got to college. And I think the first one I saw was Oh Brother Where Art Thou. And I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. When I first saw it, I was just like, what? I, what am, what am, and then when somebody said it's the Iliad, I was like, Ugh. it makes so much more sense. Then I watched it again. I was like, this is genius. Yes. Um, and I, I love the whole cast is amazing in that. And then I saw Fargo. With it, me. We watched that. Yeah, okay. That was great. And then some of the recent ones. I think since No Country, we've probably gone we, to see. We saw No Country. We saw Burn After Reading. Oh, Burn After Reading is incredible. Great. And, then, and what was. There was another one recently. Um, True Grit. True Grit was good. Hail Caesar. Which Hail was Caesar, okay. Hail Caesar had really great moments. Yeah. But overall, it was not a very good film. And which you can, I could, you could honestly say about all their films. And Lebowski. Oh yeah. We always forget Lebowski. That's such a phenomenon on its own that you forget it has to do with them. But that's, it's probably their best. I feel like it's the legacy of Raising Arizona in some ways. Um. I don't know. Like thinking on no. their their works and and. Maybe this is the first question we get into because I actually see a whole bunch of elements from all their later movies wrapped up into this one. Well, yeah, but they've, this is where they, well, clearly they have a style with the exception of uh, a brother. Yeah. So it's a completely different experiment that they did, which is wonderful. I mean, wonderful. S- sort of, except that there's still that, that you have a bunch of Southern people who are portrayed as hayseeds, but they're saying the most elevated language that a hayseed would would ever say. It's not that their language is elevated. It's almost it's uh, what some what somebody who is uneducated would think educated speech is. Really? Yeah. So that's how you feel about about somebody like H.I. Yeah. Talking in yeah crazy f- flourishes of yes. of language. Yes. By the way, if you can hear something downstairs, that's our daughter. She's she's in trouble right now, so she's <laughs> so she's in her room using her imagination, which we we don't want to discourage, but it is annoying. You you may hear it from time to time on the podcast, and if mm-hmm. so, just enjoy it for what it is on mm-hmm. Beyond Sound. Um, so let's uh, let's first of all let's talk about the cast because I think the cast is actually kind of amazing. It's good. There's. Only really three people in it who matter. And that's... It's Holly Hunter. Who... It's a first, treasure. First leading role, by the way. I didn't even know that. I was she's looking a, this up. She's a treasure. I know. And this, this cemented her, her in everything. that. And she's just outstanding. As soon as she gets the baby and is just bawling. I love him so much. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, and then Nicholas Cage. Who... Maybe one of the most unique roles I think he's done, in my opinion. That's fair, because I've seen a lot of Nicolas Cage. This is a totally different thing than you might normally see him in. This is probably one of the best things he's been in. I, exactly. I agree. And then John Goodman, <sighs> who is good in this movie, but this is not his best role. No, and I wouldn't say it's his best and role. And I love John Goodman. I know. But I, I think what's so great about John Goodman in this, he he had been around for a little bit. And there's another movie that, that he's in that's even earlier than this, the Talking Heads movie, True Stories, oh, which is really bizarre. Um, but in this one, 
it's it's pre anyone knowing who John Goodman was. This is mm-hmm. before Roseanne. I mean, this yeah. was 1987, just before Roseanne, just before went, on Roseanne the air. went on. So nobody knew who he was. Yeah. And actually, the guy, his brother, is William Forsythe, who we've seen in like Boardwalk Empire mm-hmm. and, and other shows like that. He's actually a big deal actor too. I mean, there's some other ones. I I did. Those are the those are the main. Ones yeah, the secondary characters that really get screen time. And then um, there's the one guy who plays Dot's husband. Glenn. Glenn. That guy has made his entire career out of being an asshole. Yeah. That's his, that's the, he, he looks the same. He's not aged really at all. And he only ever plays a yuppie (laughs) asshole. That's his only role. Only in this, it's a yuppie Arizona asshole. Yeah. And then, you know, just a cavalcade. Frances McDormand's in that, of course, because she's with, she's with Ethan. I don't know. And, and it was or so it's weird. He's, he pronounces his name strange. But, they're but together. it's so weird because I've seen this movie, I don't know how many times. I didn't realize until looking that up that that was Frances McDormand. Well, you have face blindness. I do a little bit. Like, you'll be like, it's so and so. I'm like, what crack are you smoking? And I mean, she's, she's been making, she was in yeah, she's, Blood Simple. She's been yeah, doing she, their movies. She's since in she, every one of their yeah. movies. Um, and then M. Emmett Walsh. Emmett Walsh. Who, he's the, he's got a, a bit. He's got a bit role in this because he was one of the leads in Blood Simple too. But he's um, the guy who's talking about Bill Parker next to H.I. Oh yeah, that guy. While he's working, mm-hmm. he's one of those uh, holding his head. He's a Tobolowski or Tobolonsky. You don't know him, but you've seen him. Yeah, he's just been doing it a whole lot longer. Yeah, and he's been in like Everything. really huge movies. Yeah. Um, and okay. a special recommendation to all of the random hick extras that they use. Pretty good. Boy, you got a panty on your head. You got a panty on your head. <laughs> yeah, so I would have never seen this movie. Um, I've been listening to you and your mother quote this forever. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to actually see the source material. Um, yeah. This is, that, I, I'll go there next. This is an infinitely quotable movie to me. It's there are so many good one liners that come out of it. So the script, so script wise, it is early, and I, you know, I... The story is stupid. Why is it stupid? Uh, well, it's wrong. Because... It, well, it's wrong because they're stealing a baby. Yes. So that's wrong. Um, I, I can appreciate the absurdity, and then, I mean, we're going to spoil this movie, but they give the baby back, which is the right thing to do, but it, it doesn't mean anything. Well, I mean, so, but let's think about Fargo or The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Or even Burn After Reading. The ultimate... Oh, that's this is their M.O. Yeah. Let's do something stupid, and then it means nothing. But that's the whole philosophy behind it. And the fact, the, the most interesting thing about that it's is like that... The, it's like the Seinfeld movie. That tra- <laughs> But that transfers over into a movie like No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. where you see the very dark, nihilistic side of that. Yeah, but that's more interesting. Because I was totally like, I don't care about this movie, I don't want to see it, and I was like, this movie's awesome. Oh, yeah. Because that guy was just going to keep coming after him. That was the old, that was the whole point. And so weirdly enough, like the Randall Tex Cobb character in Raising Arizona, the the tracker, the mm-hmm. Mad Max evil villain, so many times while he was talking, I suddenly went, oh my God, this is Anton Chigurh, like yeah, 20 years before. Oh, it is. It's just, it's Anton just, Chigurh is a way better character. It is. And, and it took, I mean, it took them 20 years to no, flesh that out fair. and Cormac McCarthy to articulate that for them because no. it, they had source material. I will say, I think they're better when they have source material to yes, work from. Because I think they're able to tweak it and add their voice, which they have a very interesting voice too. Um, but I, I just, I, 
So you didn't, you, the plot just did not work for you in any way. I liked the people in the movie. I liked some of the lines. I did not like the movie. I will not be watching it again. That's fair. That's, that's my take on this. Whereas for me, I think it's, I think it is sentimental value. I'll agree that, um, there's a reviewer that pointed this out when I looked on IMDb. I just looked through some information mm -hmm. and, um, one of the reviewers said that it really does fall apart in the last third of the movie. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it really does. It, it stays high tension up until the last bit and then it just starts to go off the rails yeah um and i i really didn't like um high's future dream like that's too like let's put a bow on this story it's yeah like, no this no this, it's a little screenwriting 101. if they made that movie today i don't think they would have done that no they they probably would have just cut to them returning the baby that or them just deciding we're gonna stay together Mm -hmm. We're gonna figure this out. Like something, that, like that. something like that, but they wouldn't have put the future bow on it. So. No, and it's okay. Yeah, I I do wonder how much time context works into it. How much that this movie being so from it's, it's time, but it's also experience. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so weird to think because I mean this movie. So to reveal one little piece of information, this movie is actually came out the same year I was born. <laughs> Of all things, little baby, which is just weird to think about, but it's it's thirty years old now. Yeah. Um. I think also so some of the things I like too the score. I think the score for this movie and Carter Burwell's been doing Coen Brothers scores since then. I think it's the same thing with with the writing. It it's not bad, but it gets better. See, I love it. It's I okay. love I love the score. It's, of this it's a movie. bit too repetitive. Maybe. They play the theme every 15 minutes. And, okay, so I'll say this. The movie itself just eventually runs off the rails. That opening sequence, though, is that not one of oh, the best it's... opening sequences you've seen in a movie? No, but it's good. <laughs> You're not going to give me any credit for this, <laughs> No, no, I'm really not. It's, it's, I've, it's I've, I've seen worse movies. <laughs> it's so well done. Though. I've seen worse movies. So let, I I understand why you like it. No, I get it. Let, but let's. Uh, let I me, don't care about it. <laughs> so I don't. I don't want to get into an argument. But let's let's go with this. Setting aside that the story itself is done, the execution of the story, the story goes off the rails. But how it's made, how it looks, how it feels—that's I think what draws me into this movie so much. You just don't see that. No, I'm shaking my head. No. How not? Um, what don't you see there? It's cheesy. Cheesy how, though? Because I feel like it's not cheesy. I think it's very against what people do. the opening sequence is good. Right. It's very deliberate. And if you haven't seen it, basically, just, the, the it, opening sequence... It's, right. it, just, it just starts falling apart. Slowly but surely. Yes. Hmm. So either... So I feel like... Whatever, the, either they shot the, the opening sequence stuff with him in the jail, they either shot that first or they shot it last. Yeah. Because it's the only part of the movie where I'm like, oh, that's tight. They know what they're doing. Yeah. So they either shot it first because they knew it was going to be the first thing in the movie, or they shot it last because they finally figured out what they were doing. That's my problem. 
No, I should say they got an adorable baby. Oh, well, okay. I did look this up. They used 15 babies. Oh, that makes sense. 15 babies because there are five babies in the movie, but there's only one that you see regularly. Baby rotation. Baby, Of course, there's baby rotation. Um, and like apparently there's a story that one of them got fired because he learned how to walk <laughs> and the mom would put his shoes on the wrong feet to try and keep him from walking, which is just funny. That's Hollywood. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but the baby is very cute. Yep. He does remind us of our son. A little bit. And it's a very cute little blonde baby. Um, and the baby never cries, which I also really appreciate. Baby doesn't cry in the movie. That's one one of those things so the other thing I, I caught I didn't even realize this the DP for the movie mm-hmm. who did all the camera work is Barry Sonnenfeld of Men in Black fame that makes sense so yeah when you and, also did Wild Wild West and, you're, and as you're watching and that you kind of go oh no I get that look Adam's family was the first big thing he did but he was the yeah tonally those all make sense it, with all the with all the single camera shots and Lots of lots of movement. There's a ton of movement in this movie. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking up Barry Sonnenfeld now. <laughs> so I'm like, what else did he do? Director. Oh, he's doing series of unfortunate events. Yeah, that makes total sense. I know. Um, that this series, not the the movie. And and I will say, like, people who haven't seen the movie, it is it is a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's very much a cartoon. I think people. Think about the Coen brothers and they think... They get shorty, too. They think wackiness, but when it's wacky, it's always grounded. And at this point, they're letting their complete imagination fly with this yeah. movie. Um, it's... Which I feel like they rein in later on in a lot of ways. I, I don't have anything more to say about it. You have no real opinions about it. I, I, I don't care about it. That that disappoints me greatly. I'm sorry. <laughs> you you kind of knew that was going to happen. I didn't know. I I I didn't know if you if you'd buy in and have and enjoy it, or if you just think it was cheesy. Okay. Well. Whatever. So, stepping aside from that, think about a movie like Burn After Reading. Mm-hmm. Do you love Burn After Reading, or do no. you feel the same way about it? I love Brad Pitt in Burn After Reading because he's ridiculous and awesome. So is Francis McDormand. Um, but no, I don't like it because I feel like I went through two and a half hours for nothing, which I guess kind of their thing. What about Lebowski? Lebowski's awesome because you go on a great adventure, so you don't care where you end up. Okay. So with so and with their and here's stuff, the thing, that whole story hinges on the dude. And he's awesome. That character is amazing. And then all the random people... Like, that's probably John Goodman's best movie. And John Turturro. So good. Yeah. I would, I would so agree good. with it being John Goodman's oh, best movie by and far. And both those characters show up as ponies later. In My Little Pony. Oh, well, yeah. We gotta tie that in. We, sorry, we, had, we couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> we had to. We'll, we'll get there later on. Yeah. But I love... Love that movie. Okay, so that then that makes sense to me that it's because because those other two movies, and I think those are the three movies. If you were going to package sort of a, a, a trilogy of movies well, about okay. nothing that they do, and s- those would be the three. And it, and your argument makes sense there. Same thing with Hail Caesar. I, we we get to an ending that's stupid, but at least it's a little bit funny. Sort of. It's a little bit funny. Hail Caesar to me. That was the one time that I really felt like I don't 
I, oh, I didn't I care. It was no way too long. It yeah. was way too long. They could have spent the whole time on the Ray Fine sequence with the the guy who's playing Han Solo. Alden Ehrenreich? Yes. And the fact that he can't talk. So good. That whole sequence is great. He's amazing. If they if they focused on that character and did a whole movie about that, it would feel like Big Lebowski. It was, um, it was awesome. And then the other one, I mean, the other one I've never seen but heard such great things about is Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, yeah. With Tim Robbins. Um, but... Because, see, to me, so funny thing is, lots of people have talked about Burn After Reading recently, mm-hmm. that it's turned out to be weirdly prophetic with what seems to be mass incompetency at the highest levels of federal government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that Burn After Reading, weirdly, is exactly what weirdo CIA conspiracy theory people think is going on. That that's actually what's what's really going on behind the scenes. We just don't realize it. I don't know. It just gave us a great meme. What what's the meme? Oh, it's it's Brad Pitt <laughs> <laughs> working out and doing the uh 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 thing. It's great. That and when George Clooney takes the sex pillow back. <laughs> that's pretty uh, good. There's so many there's so many ridiculous moments in that movie. Yes. I mean for me, my favorite and part is the end with J.K. Simmons. Well J.K. Simmons does does nothing bad. No. Nothing bad. He is he can sell anything. So Alright. So if you're gonna give it stars, what are you gonna say? Uh, two. Oh, wow. I'm gonna hate it. Two out of two out of five or yeah, I'll say two out of five. Okay. I'll say two out of five. So I'm, for me I'm not gonna watch it again. For me it's weird because I and having seen the movie so often, for me it's it 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 is a thing of I don't care about the story as much with that movie. I'm really I really love how they used visuals, how they used the words and crafted it it just it got me in a place that i really think is hilarious mm-hmm. and you know astonishing i don't know why but it does so i'd probably say okay. four well you know i say the same thing about the red shoes you used to like grown on and i'm just like part of me the red shoes is just sentimental i grew up watching it yeah and then i remember one day i was watching it like oh i kind of get why you like this yeah because it's beautiful yeah but and for this it's not so much that it's beautiful yeah. it's just i I think this is one of those first times I'd ever seen anybody make a movie so daringly weird that was willing to make something that off the rails. Well, I get why you like it. I just don't. So, I mean... That's that's Raising Arizona. Yep. Next time we're going to make David watch Goonies. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. I've never seen the Goonies. Yep. All right. See you then. Bye. That's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com.